Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I meant it this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 241. Today we're going to be continuing our storytelling series, and we're super excited for this one. I'd say this is an episode we've talked about doing for, I mean, probably a year, maybe. Has it been a year since we started the storytelling series? I don't think it's been a full year. However, it's been kind of a long time coming, I feel like, uh, because ever since we did Haunted Mansion, that was our favorite one that we did part of this series, I think. We even had to break it into two parts. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you might want to hear it before this, but I think we're going to try to present it away where it's fresh and it's new and you can understand it. But this is one that we kind of circled that we wanted to come back to. And I think it comes back to our Disneyland trip. So Mm -hmm. this was like, we called it a pilgrimage when we went, we went in October of 2019 and or 2018, 2018, October, 2018. And it was like, before we even went, we watched the decorating Disney show that came on Freeform for a while. They talked all about this attraction I love Nightmare Before Christmas. So I think it was part of our homework beforehand is that I forced you to watch this, right? Yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that you got all the references that you could. Yeah, I had never really seen the movie. It's just not my kind of movie because it always seemed a little creepy. And like, that's just not me. So we did our homework. We were completely obsessed with the transformation that the Haunted Mansion took in Disneyland And it just set us up to set our expectations high, which is always a bad idea when you go into things. You never want to have high expectations because you never know what's going to happen. But luckily, it lived up to the hype. And if you haven't caught on, I don't think we've said it yet, but today we're talking about Haunted Mansion Holiday. Oh, I thought everybody knew. They knew. They clicked on the episode. They know. Well, in case you didn't, Haunted Mansion Holiday, we are just super excited And we're excited to share what we found. So first off, just a little bit of kind of housekeeping before we get started is there is so much information here. And just like in Haunted Mansion, this story is way more detailed than I think anybody realizes unless you've really taken a deep look into it. So we're going to do our best to keep this episode as short as possible. We're not going to break it into part one and two. We can't do that again. So might be a long episode, but prom- I promise that we will try to stay focused and try to present this in an entertaining and informative way so that next time you ride this, next year hopefully, that you will enjoy it more, You're under- you'll understand the story more, maybe it'll convince you to book a trip to Disneyland, whatever it might be. So let's kind of lay the groundwork for some of the uh, generic information about this attraction. So it opened on October 3rd, 2001, and it was featured as a holiday overlay. And the reason that they wanted to introduce this was because they had had previous success with other holiday overlays. So particularly, they were already doing the Small World holiday version and also the Country Bear Christmas special, which I did not know was a thing beforehand. Maybe that's something that we're going to have to revisit. We still haven't talked about Country Bears 
we've kind of uh, avoided it. Infamously not enjoyed Country Bears as much as other people. However, the success of those two attractions had them wanting to do more. And so there was a lot of conversation that went back and forth about how they should attack this. Yeah, so basically the Imagineers were throwing around some ideas. They initially wanted to base it off of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and it just kind of came back to setting differences. It just didn't mash up the way that they wanted to. So because A Christmas Carol is set in 1900s London and The Haunted Mansion is in 1800s New Orleans, they had a big issue with that. It just wasn't going to work. And then that's when they turned to Nightmare Before Christmas. So, And Nightmare Before Christmas is just so weird because it's one of those few movies, I think, that has gained so much popularity as time has passed. And so obviously Nightmare Before Christmas came out in the 1990s and it was moderately successful then. But I think even as we passed into the millennium, Nightmare Before Christmas has only picked up more steam. It's like Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Like Hocus Pocus was not a gigantic deal when it first came out, but as the years have gone on, and I think mainly as us millennials like latch onto everything nostalgic, Nightmare Before Christmas has just taken off in popularity. So good on them for having that forward thinking in the early two thousands to pick this attraction, and I think it's it's really smart that they did that. I think. There's also some discussion when you read online is that the Imagineers also just really wanted to work with Tim Burton. And I think it's just a testament that Tim Burton is such a unique mind in the world. Love him. Hate him. I love him for some things. I love Night Before Christmas. I hate Dumbo with a passion. But, you know, you can't say that Tim Burton is not pushing the envelope on those kind of things. So I, I think it worked out well. And Tim Burton has more of an imprint on this attraction, I think we'll realize. So we'll talk about that as we go through it as well. Yeah. So basically, and even to piggyback onto that, I think Nightmare Before Christmas was even more popular in the 90s when it came out than they expected it to be. Um, I think they kind of expected it to be a flop because it was something so different. But even back then, it was fairly popular. But basically, once they decided to do the overlay, they knew that they were going to have to completely change the Haunted Mansion. So I think that's part of why we love this ride so much is because they really do completely transform the space. But in order to do that, it takes time. So the Haunted Mansion has to close in September for about an 18-day time period. Now, we got the 18 days from the Watching the Decorating Christmas special. So I don't know how accurate it is, but that's what they said, 18 days. And it closes from September to January when it comes back down. So they keep it up for both Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's probably where you'll get a lot of people saying it's it's too long of a time period. 18 days is also a lot of time to transform it, especially since the rest of Magic Kingdom and the rest of Disneyland gets transformed overnight. So you'd almost wish that they could do it quicker than that. But I think it's also just a testament that that's how detailed this is. And I know like we got some listener feedback we'll talk about at the end. And a lot of things that people bring up is it needs to start after Halloween, that it's more Christmas focused anyway. 
it doesn't need to cover both holidays because Haunted Mansion in its original version is more appropriate for Halloween than Haunted Mansion Holiday. We'll I talk can... about it at the end. Okay. Okay. We'll save that for later. Um, so then it was also decided at this time when it started to become very popular that they wanted to do this in another park. And their initial thought was to bring it to our side in Walt Disney World. And that was eventually turned down, which at first I was very bummed out about. I was kind of upset because I love this ride so much. And I had wished that they would have made it work. But they decided against bringing it to the Magic Kingdom because Disney World is seen as more of a travel destination, like the once-in-a-lifetime trip, which we've heard before, and it makes a lot of sense, whereas Disneyland is more of a locals park. And they were doing these different overlays to try to entice the locals to come to the parks more often or to sell season tickets or whatever it might be. And they just didn't want to risk shutting down an attraction like the Haunted Mansion or not allowing those one-time, you know, once-in-a-lifetime guests that experience to ride the Haunted Mansion. So once I kind of looked at it from that standpoint, I understood. But basically what that meant is they had already started making the props to bring it over to Disney World when it was shut down. So they ended up bringing it to Tokyo Disneyland instead. And I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there about did they make the right decision? I mean, I think it's really, I mean, so like you said, the argument was is that Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World as a whole is like a once in a lifetime trip, whereas Disneyland caters more as a regional park. I don't know if that's still true. I, what do you, do you think that's still True, I think that the area around Orlando, maybe it's just because we're here and we can speak to it more. The area around Orlando and particularly right around Walt Disney World has grown up so much. There are so many people moving to Orlando to be locals to Walt Disney World. Obviously, with the Los Angeles greater area in Anaheim, you know, right next to each other, there's already a built-in population but even that, I still think there's a lot of people taking a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Disneyland. I just don't know how the numbers parse out between the two parks. Yeah, I almost feel like the thought process behind it is just that because Walt Disney World is bigger, like if you are only making one trip ever in your lifetime to like a Walt Disney campus, I don't know if that's what you would call a it. Resort. Resort, okay, whatever. But if you're coming to a campus. resort. <laughs> like Avengers Campus. Yeah. If you're going to one of them, I do think Disney World is the choice. It is bigger. There is more to do. Um, and not that it makes Disneyland any less, but when you kind of stack it up, I mean, I do see it. I get it. It makes sense. But they decided to move it over to Tokyo Disneyland in 2004 and they've been doing it ever since, just like in Disneyland. So just to kind of finish out that conversation about the Magic Kingdom version that was never to be. So obviously, I mean, they were making props and everything, and they had Imagineers assigned to working on the one in Magic Kingdom. And because that was taken away from them, the urban legend, 
I don't know if it's factual. We've read different things. I mean, it's got to be, there's some truth to it. I guess the number is up in question. Supposedly, there are 13 hidden Easter eggs in the Magic Kingdom version that the Imagineers put in as a nod to Haunted Mansion Holiday and to Nightmare Before Christmas. So the ones that we know of, and I think still to this day, they're saying nobody's found all of them, correct? And we even know some have come and gone. So I guess let's just talk through the ones that we know. In the library scene, there's a book that is on the table and, you know, it's next to the table on the ground. And it has a picture of Jack Skellington on the spine of the book and I think on the cover of the book. And when we say a picture, so we watched a video where they tried to show some of these props too. When we say a picture, it's not like a cartoon. It's like it's a red, old looking book with like a, like a metallic, what do you call that? Like an embossment of Jack Skellington. So it's very subtle. It's not like you're looking for a cartoon Jack Skellington in the Haunted Mansion. And that is one of two. So there's another book in the attic that's pretty much the same thing. It's just shaped differently. One is more square. One is more long and rectangular. Um, the other things is there's one, if not two, Jack Skellington dolls in the attic. And it's one of those that you got to have a super nice camera set on. With the, the flash. Perfect settings. You got to point it in the exact right angle to see it. But just so you're aware of where people have seen it before, it's right as you're exiting the attic scene, Constance, the bride, is on your left. If you look back into your right, supposedly you can see Jack Skellington back there sometimes if you just If you're catch lucky, it. yeah. <laughs> also in the attic is there's been a Sally doll was seen for a couple of years. Last time, the la it seems like the consensus was in around... I can't remember if it was 2016 or 2018. One of those times, Sally left. And so she was just like on a little table, like sitting behind it. Like propped up on it, kind of. And so that was just another little nod. And it's funny because both her and Jack were literally things that you would buy in a gift shop. So it wasn't like this super imaginative, you know, handcrafted prop. It was just a doll that they found and they put it in there. And then the very last one, which this one was a little far-fetched for me. I want to see it in person. I haven't had a chance to. Right now, you can't get close enough to see it. But as you enter into the foyer, into the fireplace scene, before you go into the stretching room, there's the portrait of Master Gracie up above the fireplace. And it's, of course, one of those portraits that as the lightning strikes, it changes uh, the picture that you mm -hmm. can see. And it turns into the skeleton version of Master Gracie. Supposedly, Jack Skellington's face is like on his forehead. Yeah, like a little outline. Like the little it. outline of it. And there might be other, you know, supposedly there's 13 Easter eggs. Now, Sally was taken away. Like that's confirmed that she was there. Now she's not here. So are there still 13? How many more are there that people could find? Who knows? But I do think that's pretty cool, just as a, a little aside for the Magic Kingdom version. It's a nice little uh, nice little homage from the Imagineers, because they never leave anything behind. They think of everything. All right. So ready to talk about the story. All right. So as far as storytelling goes, we are breaking this up a little bit differently, because when we were looking at the storytelling, 
we thought that we needed to share some of the dialogue. And it's because it's so well done that like you need it for the story pretty much. Um, So to set everything up, the story is taking place after the movie and Jack Skellington discovers the haunted mansion. And he basically just decides that he's going to bring all of his friends from Halloween town to spread some cheer to the 999 happy haunts who are living in the haunted mansion. And together, you know, they decorate the mansion with presents, all of their decorations And they're just trying to create that, you know, that thrilling and chilling holiday experience for them. They think they could use some cheering up, basically. And Jack is up for the task. And I think it's so funny. Well, okay, we're going to get to it. I was going to start talking about the decorations, but I can't do that yet. So. I have one theory I want to throw out there before we get started. Okay. Because it kind of, it plays into what you're talking about right now is that The story goes that Jack just discovered the Haunted Mansion. And so my thought process naturally went, how did he discover this? Like, He's the Pumpkin King, Brendan. I understand he's the Pumpkin King, and he's probably drawn to things like this. But I haven't read this anywhere online. I don't know if I'm the original thought provoker (laughs) on this. If I am, give me credit. However, something that we talked about and a theory that I really latched onto in Haunted Mansion was Hatbox Ghost. And so in the Disneyland version, of course, he was there when it opened. He left for many, many years, and then he came back. And one of the explanations that was given, and I think it's from one of the comic books, is that Hatbox Ghost had learned how to use the endless staircase and the portraits, and then he was traveling around to all of these haunted places around the world. What if he went out and found Jack? Because Halloween Town would count as a haunted place. So that's just a theory that I'm throwing out there. And that it would enhance the story in my mind. I mean, that, that is quite clever. That Hatbox Ghost went out, found him, brought him back to the rest of his friends that that he found. Now, the timeline doesn't exactly match up because this started, Haunted Mansion Holiday started before Hatbox Ghost came back into the Disneyland version. However, maybe he just told him where it was and then he came back. <laughs> Gave him a map. Here you go. At a later date. So you guys as the listeners can poke holes in that, but it's just a, a theory that I came up with as we were researching. So let me know if it's bogus or if you agree with it as well. I'm also like the only person that thinks that Constance owns the Magic Kingdom Haunted Mansion, but I'll die on that hill. Just you. But we're not talking about the Haunted Mansion today. I know. So you start us off. So Brendan is going to do the uh, visual part. He's going to paint the scene, and I'm going to be the ghost host. And a little bit of Jack. And a little bit of Jack. So start us off, Brendan. Yeah, and I'll just preface with kind of your role here is that when we were diving through this, the dialogue that the ghost host provides, I think, enhances the story much more than the even normal version haunted mansion. And so that if you listen to the poem that he's saying, it is, it depicts a lot more than what you see with your eyes. And I think too, you know, when you're listening to it on the ride, there's so much to look at. It's almost overstimulating. So maybe without having to look at everything and look for some of these Easter eggs and all these details, it might be easier to pick up on it too. Okay. 
Are we ready to do this? I am ready. We, you, we joked about it before. We needed like an auctioneer voice to do this. Because <laughs> so, it's going to be so fast. So we're going we're gonna to do the best we can to depict this in a, in a really good way. However, like we said, this is a, it's a lot of information. All right. So again, like many other rides that we've talked about, the story of this one begins when you're outside of the attraction. And so when you walk up in New Orleans Square, you first see Jack is sitting atop the outside gates and he's dressed as Sandy Claus at that point. He has de- he's changed over the sign that now instead of just Haunted Mansion, it says Haunted Mansion Holiday. And he's also transformed all of the exterior of the attraction with a mixture of Christmas and Halloween decorations. So you can see things like pumpkins atop the outside fence pickets, garland on the outside facade, giant pumpkin scarecrows in the front lawn. His sleigh has landed on the roof and their candles scattered throughout. An interesting note about the outside of this is that normally you just hear a musical version of Grim Grinning Ghosts outside, even on the front lawn and in the cemeteries and and everything. But for Haunted Mansion Holiday, you actually hear the music from Phantom Manor in Disneyland Paris, which is a super interesting choice. Now, it is a really great piece of music, but it often leaves me and other people wondering, like, how, why? <laughs> why? And what's the connection? Are we missing something? Or was it just a really cool piece of music? So then once you get inside the foyer, that's when you first hear the ghost host talking. Are you going to do your best ghost host voice? Oh, I don't know if I can read and do a ghost host. You might just get Catherine's version of ghost host. Okay. But he says, "'Twas a long time ago, longer now than it seems, in a place that perhaps you have seen in your dreams, for the story that you are about to be told began in the holiday worlds of old. I know you're curious to see what's inside. It's what happens when two holidays collide." And so the visual aspect of that when you're hearing this is you've just entered into the foyer and you can see that the the decorations from the outside have also made it into the interior of the attraction. So the garland in particularly has followed you in. The garland is very interesting because it has some Halloween elements, like there's bones in it, there's pumpkins in it, but it's also got Christmas lights in it. So it's very interesting on how you get in. So... Once you get past the foyer, you then make it into the stretching room. Welcome, my friends, to our Christmas delight. Come witness a ghoulishly glorious sight. It's time for our holiday tale to begin. There's no turning back now. Please come all the way in. Our holiday tale is a tale that's quite charming, but during this season, it's sometimes alarming. So relax and reflect. Feel free to take pause while we tell you a tale about dear Sandy Claus. "'Twas the nightmare before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was peaceful, not even a mouse. The stockings all hung by the chimney with care. When opened that morning would soon cause such a scare. The children nestled all snug in their beds would have nightmares of monsters and skeleton heads. And then Jack gets to say, Happy Holidays. And so at that point, Jack is coming through the top ceiling portion of the stretching room that uh, would normally be the ghost host is hanging in that portion. Um, And then also in the stretching room, you're seeing these different portraits. So instead of the stretching portraits, you now have stained glass Christmas depictions. 
But as the room stretches, the Christmas depictions start showing these really like sinister Halloween, like evil toys. I mean, it's just like the movie, though, which is hilarious because it's, you know, you think you're getting a duck and then it's a duck with like (laughs) crazy vampire teeth and, you know, all those things that you see from the movies. So, again, they're trying to do Christmas, but they just don't know how to do it. And I think it's great. And so the ghost host says one more thing before we leave, right? And this is, I think, the best part. Now, hurry along as they say, look alive. This one holiday you'll want to survive. And so in all of this poem, they're so, I mean, it is just a brilliant piece of writing and a brilliant piece of dialogue because there is so much references to Haunted Mansion and to the normal spiel that the ghost host gives. There are so many references to the movie that you get, but they're also playing with this idea of, is this Christmas? Is this Halloween? Which is like the ultimate debate that goes on about this movie. So they are giving into it 1000%, I feel like. And it sets the tone so early for how rich this story is. Well, and I think for even those who aren't very familiar with Nightmare Before Christmas, or maybe if you weren't expecting to get this version somehow, if you went to Disneyland, you know, it's setting you up perfectly so that you walk into this and you don't have to be confused. Like he is literally walking you through everything that you're seeing, why it's there, who put it there, what the purpose is. And I think, again, it just enhances that storytelling aspect of it where there's no guessing. And I think this is a part like everybody hears this piece of dialogue. There's no way to avoid this part because it's very loud. And obviously, like, you know, you're being walked through at this point i think where you can lose track of the ghost host and what he's telling you is once you get onto the attraction so i think it'll be even more important to pay attention to the dialogue at that point so after we've left this left the stretching room um for you walt disney world people if you've not been to disneyland the difference here is that the portrait room the portrait hallway that we would typically see right after we get on the attraction in Magic Kingdom, that's actually a walkthrough portion in Disneyland. So in Disneyland, they have the four portraits lined up uh, in a row. And for this attraction right now, they have changed them out. And I think they've been different over the years. I don't think it's been constant every single time bringing them back. The most recent version I saw, it was like Zero in one of them. He was a reindeer, and then as the lightning flashes, he flies around. There's just one of Jack, there's one of Sally, and then there's one of a snowman. But I think it's been different throughout the years as well. But you're also hearing some narration from the ghost host at this point, too. Jack Skellington came here from Halloween Town. You'll notice his handiwork scattered around. This year, he's decided to play Sandy Claus, But when Halloween creates Christmas, you might see a few flaws. And now a dark carriage will take you away. Sit back, rest in peace in your black Christmas sleigh. Your sleigh will accommodate one or two more. We hope you're prepared for what Jack has in store. It's so good. It's so good. You can't beat it. It's so fantastic. So a couple things in that piece that I think, I, I don't know why. I never realized you were in a sleigh. I never realized that the doom buggies are transformed into black sleighs at this point. Did you realize that when when we wrote it? 
I don't know. Part of me wants to think I caught on to that because I think it's so clever. But again, it is just like sensory overload, especially the first time you ride it. I wish we would have done this more than once, but the line. I think we did it twice. You don't we? think so? I don't know. The The line is just crazy long. And since we only had one weekend there, it's hard to wait in a line like that, honestly. But yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> we'll talk more about it when we give our final thoughts, because I think we could gush over this all day. But what happens next? So there's also another reference to tell you that you're getting on a sleigh, which I, I guess I just missed this. But right after you pass the two busts at the end of the hallway, which they have some Christmas lights on them that say like Noel, I believe there's a creature that has burrowed itself into the wall and he's holding a sign. He or she, I guess we don't know the gender. It, it is holding a sign that says free sleigh rides. So it's another way to just hit home that you're getting on a sleigh ride. Um, so then you tran you turn the corner and now you're into the loading zone. And I think this is one of the most jaw dropping scenes in all of this. And so when you turn the corner, you see this cr giant Christmas card depiction that has been cut out and it's got like almost every character from Halloween town is shown up there. And it says Merry Christmas across the bottom, but as the lightning flashes, it says Scary Christmas. So again, it's just the, another reference to you're not getting what you think you're getting. And when this originally started, this attraction, they used this as like an advent calendar, which was super cool. So basically they would add different characters as the days went on. And again, they were using that to draw guests back to the park because they were hoping that you'd be so intrigued with, well, who are they going to add next? Who's going to show up? And it would keep those locals coming back because that was the goal. I wish they still did that. It would be cool. It's uh, a lot more effort, though. It's a lot more effort. And I wonder if it's just something like surely they've realized more over time that people are coming there for a long weekend vacation and they're not. You know, there's so many people who are not annual pass holders who are there and they want to see it in its full version from the very beginning. That would be a little sad if you were there like the first day and there's only one. There's like one little person. One there. little vampire teddy or something. Yeah. Like that. So then you are now getting into your Slay. sleighs and the ghost host comes back over and reads the next portion of the poem. Don't pull down on the bar. It will float down with ease and keep a close watch on all children, please. All good ghouls and boys must sit safe in their seats and keep their and keep in their sleigh all hand, arms, legs, and feet. More rapid than vultures, the mansion was changed. All was soon covered, adorned, and deranged. And what, to your wondering eyes, disappears is Jack's little friend Zero, the ghost dog reindeer. Nothing here was forgotten. It all looks so pleasant. A coffin, Jack says, makes a fine Christmas present. A man-eating plant makes a wonderful wreath, as long as you don't get caught in its teeth. Jack's holiday vision was unlike no other, so ring out the bells. There's more cheer to uncover. And I think it's just more playing into how delusional Jack is, is that he fully can't grasp what Christmas is, even after the movie has taken place, which I don't know if we've mentioned that. This takes place after Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because he's Sandy Claus at this point. But it just it just 
and even later in the ride, Jack is so proud of the work that he has done because he thinks he's bringing all this Christmas cheer. And I think it's even interesting to think about it from the ghost host standpoint is that they they may not know what Christmas cheer is either, the inhabitants of the Haunted Mansion. So there's just so much at work here. And again, I think this dialogue really shows you a lot of what's going on. So as you're hearing that and you're leading, leaving the loading zone, you then go up the stairs where you first see the vampire teddy bear, which is interesting because the vampire teddy bear has a small role in the movie. I don't think he or she has an actual name other than vampire teddy. <laughs> I also don't know, is there more than one vampire teddy? Is there a family of vampire teddies or is there just one? And vampire Teddy pops up multiple times in this attraction. So that's what I'm interested in is if the same one over and over again, or is it different ones wreaking havoc throughout? But anyway, he's at the top of the staircase amidst a bunch of other presents that have been wrapped up and he is like teasing you. And so last year's version, he had it like on a fishing pole and he was dangling it down in front of you in your sleighs. So it's just, Another part of that story that's being told to you. Well, and again, it, it also makes me think of Haunted Mansion because he's like playing tricks on you. Like happy haunts. They love to play tricks. Now that's what these Halloween Town guests are doing is they're playing tricks. Yeah. So they've all adopted the the mantra. Yeah. So next you then transition into the endless hallway where this is the first time that we see Zero outside of the portraits. And so... There are bones going all across the endless hallway, like all up the walls and, and on the top of it. And then where you would normally see the floating candelabra at the end of the endless hallway, which is, I guess, an oxymoron. <laughs> Towards the back of the endless hallway, uh, Zero is floating there. And you can see him. He's barking. You can see that uh, I guess the assumption is that Jack gave him these bones as a Christmas present. I mean, he's a good boy, so he Sandy Claus boy. would give him lots of bones. So Sandy Claus gave him these bones, and he's got more than enough to enjoy. After you leave the endless hallway, then you then go to the conservatory, where this is where you can see the corpse trying to break out of the coffin. And so normally you can just see him pushing up on it as you ride by. But now it's a little bit of a different scene. His coffin has been wrapped in like Christmas ribbons and wrapping paper and stuff. And there's a vampire teddy sitting on top of it, holding him in. So this is the second vampire teddy. And then another random thing is there's a bouquet of flowers or like a big plant that has now become a choir. So who knew? I don't think that was in the movie, but, <laughs> but anything is possible. But somehow they've, become part of it. So as you transition from there, you then see the grandfather clock that is striking 13 over and over again. But next to it, you can see a note that Jack has left for Madame Leota. And it says to Leota, 13 special gifts for you. Now the full Madame Leota dialogue is very, very long because she goes through the 13 days of christmas yes so we're not going to include that here i'd recommend you can search for it for madame leota's 13 uh, days of christmas to, to read all that 
But essentially when you, you're then transition, of course, straight into the seance room and she's going through that spiel and all of the tarot cards re- um, depicting the 13 gifts are floating up above you. And so the assumption, I guess not the assumption, the story is that each of those were gifts from people in Halloween Town. So there's a gift from Oogie Boogie. I think that's a roulette wheel. There's a gift from Sally's dad, who now I can't remember what his name is. Like the scientist? Yeah, Dr. What is his last name? Anyway. I don't know. I guess Sally's dad is not even the right word. Sally's yeah. creator. <laughs> the evil scientist guy. Yeah. So there, and I think uh, Lock, Shock, and Barrel gave her a gift. And so those tarot cards depict all those. Now, this is a good time to mention they really need to put these tarot cards on some merch. I would I, buy those so quickly. Posters, whatever it might be, I would buy those so fast. I am surprised there's not more merch for this. You'd think that Disney would be on top of that as far as how can we make money from this special <laughs> attraction? But yeah, there's really not much out there, which is strange. I guess Jack hasn't gotten into the the gift realm i don't know yeah so when they in 2001 when they were redoing this and getting it all ready there also had to be some recasting that had to be done and one of the main one the ghost host had to be redone uh with a new voice actor but also madame leota had to be redone and i think it's a really cool story and and many of you have probably already heard it because they talk about it on the decorating with disney but Madame Leota, if you didn't know, was originally played by Leota Toombs, who was an Imagineer at Disneyland whenever Haunted Mansion was being built. So when they needed to redo this, they first went to Kim Irvine, who's now like the director of arts for like the whole company, for all the whole parks industry. She's got a big title. Yeah, she's got quite the job. Uh, And obviously she's really, really good at what she does. But they asked for her blessing to recast Leota and she's like, Nope, I'm doing it. Or like they asked, they asked her to do it. And I think at first she said no, because she didn't feel comfortable. Like she's a behind the scenes person. And she's like, Oh gosh, like me, my face. I don't know about that. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to ask someone else. And she was like, well, no, you're not going to do that either. So she did it. So basically, um, Leota Toombs daughter, does it, which is such a nice tribute. I think she's just the face, though. I don't think she does the voice as well. So it's a very distinct voice. You'd almost have to get a voice actor to redo Leota Toombs' exact voice. But it's still a really cool thing. And at the time that the Decorating and Disney show displayed, Kim Irvine's daughter also worked for the Walt Disney Company. So who knows? Maybe someday... They'll have another version that they have to get to. And And she'll get to do it. And she'll get to be Leota. But there is a really interesting plot point that happens here in the normal version of Haunted Mansion. So in the normal version, you do not see any ghosts until the seance happens, until Leota calls them out. And they feel comfortable. The ghost host then tells you, oh, they've... Materialized. Yeah, they've... 
they're sympathetic to your warm vibrations or something like that. Yeah. I think the same thing happens here to a certain extent in Haunted Mansion Holiday, although you do see zero first. So the question arises is, are you comfortable with that? Is that you technically do see a ghost before Leota calls them out? I have to say yes for this just because I feel like Zero is a special kind of ghost where like he's Jack's dog, reindeer in this case. And like he goes where Jack goes. So it's not like he is an inhabitant of the haunted mansion where like he didn't feel comfortable like being with all the guests yet. Like because he came with Jack. He's part of the Christmas slash Halloween celebration. So it makes sense, I feel like, that Zero just has free reign of the mansion. I mean, I can get behind that. I think the saving grace here is that, like you said, they're not cursed by the same curse that is holding the rest of the ghosts in Haunted Mansion. So they can materialize beforehand. And, you know, Jack's not a ghost. Sally's not a ghost. So obviously they don't have to follow those same rules. I just thought it was interesting that there's a very hard rule in normal Haunted Mansion. You do not see a ghost until Leota calls them out. And they make an exception here. But Zero is the exception. Well, I mean, he's the best ghost dog I know. So after you transition from the seance room where you see Leota, you then go into the ballroom scene, which I think second to the graveyard is probably the most like eye-opening or one of the biggest changes throughout here. But the ghost host is also welcoming you into this room. So with some treats and some games, you can make a scene merry. Why even a gingerbread house can seem scary. All at once, happy haunts did materialize like a nightmarish painting by Courier and Ives. So I had no idea what Courier and Ives was. Did you? No. So I did a little bit of research. Courier and Ives was an old printmaking firm in like the early 1900s. And a lot of those like snow scene lithograph paintings that you see, like I feel like all of our grandparents have them of like the meadow covered with snow or like the town covered with snow. Courier and Ives did all of a lot of those. And so what he's saying is that it's it's picturesque, but it's a nightmare instead. So I think it's that's a really cool reference that I never would have riding the attraction. <laughs> I never would have picked up on it. And I think this scene is so iconic because and even the ghost host mentioned it is the gingerbread house. So we can't move away from the ballroom scene without talking about this massive gingerbread house. Um, so by now, if you haven't watched the Decorating Disney special, you need to just for this because they had to specifically make a table for the Haunted Mansion where they could slide a piece in just to bring in this ginormous gingerbread house that is completely real. So they actually make this, the culinary team at Disneyland does every year. And every year it's different, which is amazing. Um, last year when it was Haunted Mansion's 50th birthday, 
the gingerbread house is an homage to the Haunted Mansion, which is really fun. So every year it changes. Again, that's one of those elements that keeps locals coming back each year to see what the gingerbread house is going to look like. And I think it's really cool. They also had to specially modify the dining room table that they use in that scene. That's what I just said. Oh. So that they can wheel in the gingerbread house. Correct. I got you. I'm with you. Just wanted to hit it home. Oh, okay. That the table. Did you know they modified the table? They do. It's really cool. Yeah. You should watch Decorating at Disney. They talk about <laughs> it there. Two other things that are happening in this picture. Well, maybe more than two. One is they have the huge Halloween tree that goes in here, which is like Jack's version of a Christmas tree. But it's dead. <laughs> it's dead. It's got pumpkins on it. It's really weird. The next big change that takes place is the dueling portraits that are up on the wall on the far back left-hand corner of the ballroom scene. Normally, you're seeing them come off of their portrait. They're pointing towards each other and they're firing at each other. The difference here is that now they're pointing out into the ballroom and they're shooting at Zero, who is flying around in that area. The last thing that I want to mention is the music that changes at this point. So at this point, Victor Geist is down there playing the organ, like he always does. And he's playing a rendition of Kidnap the Sandy Claws, which is the song that Lock, Shock, and Barrel are singing once Oogie Boogie tasks them with kidnapping Sandy Claws. So... This particular scene made me think of another question that we talked about off air and you've had some time to think on it now. Are the ghosts, are the Haunted Mansion inhabitants happy that Jack and Halloween Town are there? Because I think the music of Kidnap the Sandy Claws, well, they're, they're, they're not kidnapping actually Jack. Yes. In the movie, they're kidnapping actual Santa Claus. They just don't mm-hmm. know his name. So that, and then the portrait shooting at zero. So do you think that could give us a hint that they're not actually happy that Jack is there? Or is it just part of making it fun? I could see it both ways. I mean, part of me wants to think if I really immerse myself in like the Haunted Mansion story, that they would not be amused by this kind of like foolishness you know like they're probably yeah they're probably like leave me like i'm the happy haunt here let let me alone and let me do my job whereas again i think it ties into the story like jack thinks he's doing such a great thing he's like wow these ghosts need me like i have to go decorate i'm gonna make them so happy and i feel like it would almost fit the narrative more if they hated it you know like if again if jack like completely just like messed up. He had good intentions, but the ghosts were just like, yeah, I'm not into this. Like, please leave me to rest in peace. (laughs) It makes me think of another kind of plot line for particularly the ballroom scene. And so this comic book series that I've talked about endlessly, I'm still obsessed with it. But one of the, one part of that story is that part of the curse is that all of the people who are trapped in the ballroom scene are trapped in an endless party. They cannot stop the party. And so, I don't know, that's just another thing that plays into this about 
is this their way of they have to play music they have to keep dueling is this the way of trying to get them to go away i don't know it's up for interpretation i guess which is part of why we love haunted mansion so much that you can kind of think a little more deep into it and whatever you think could fit the narrative so next is the attic scene the ghost host comes back to us at that point a bag full of toys Jack had slung on his back. They were strange and bizarre and on the attack. So the attic is really interesting because this is where you find where Jack has stored all of his presents as Sandy Claus for all of the kids. At this point, the music changes from Kidnap the Sandy Claus to now it's What's This in the background. And you pass some jack-o'-lanterns. You pass the long black and orange snake who has, you can tell from his body, he's eaten some of the presents. And when you find him, he is in the process of eating Jack's naughty and nice list. Cool little note there is all of those names that are on the naughty and nice list and all of the tags on the presents are meaningful names to this attraction. So the Imagineers, um, they talked particularly about two uh, Imagineers. Uh, Imagineers, or maybe just cast members. Uh, two influential people who had worked on this attraction for years and years. Like, their names are never going to be removed. That they're, One of them's on a tag. Mm -hmm. Are they both on tags? I think they're both on tags. And then others are listed on the naughty and nice list of people who have worked on it over the years. So that's a cool little nod. I know a lot of people go in there looking for their own name. So you just got to hope that Imagineer with your name goes in there and works. But it is a little bit sad, I think, is that they have not found a way, at least currently, to work in Constance. Into now, this. she would not put up with the shenanigans. That's she probably not. why. She would behead, behead that snake. She'd be like, get out of my attic. Bye. That's true. Constance probably would not put up with this at all no but she is removed she's off somewhere else getting married probably to someone else during haunted mansion holiday however the hatbox coast is still present and so he is out on the balcony after you leave the attic and he does have a nice little like like a pin like a, a pin like a christmas pin. pin yeah put into his hat which is nice that he gets to stay he gets I to still, celebrate. I still like to think that he's the one who went and found Jack. But I, who knows? And I want to say one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the changing of the music, which I do think is also helping to tell the story here. Because when we think about the original Haunted Mansion, the music is the same the whole time. It's always Grim Grinning Ghosts. The only thing that changes is the tempo. Here, we're actually seeing different music to reflect the scenes that you're going through. And I do think it's intentional and I think it helps play into that story and the feelings that they're trying to evoke from you. So it's just, again, it's so different than what you would experience in the original. Yeah. I mean, cause you hear versions of what's this kidnap the Sandy Claus and then just like a special Christmas song that they play out in the graveyard, which we're getting to now. Plus the outside. Plus the outside music. So Ghost Host comes back as we are falling out of the attic into the graveyard. Sandy Claus worked his magic both outside and in, but one final touch 
made his bony face grin. Now what better gift on my friends to bestow than a graveyard that's covered in ghostly white snow? So, again, I don't know if the ghost toes, I don't know if these words really depict too much. I mean, I guess it's really just hitting home is that Jack is so proud of himself. Like, he thinks he has done a magnificent job. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this Christmas... is our last gift. Yeah, it's the last gift. And so as you come into the graveyard scene, probably the biggest thing that people will notice is he's brought in the spiral hill from Halloween Town, but it's covered in pumpkins and it's covered in snow as well. But as you're falling backwards out of the attic, you get to the bottom and you get to the outside gates of the graveyard. And that's where you see Jack and Zero at the gate to the graveyard where Jack is dressed as Sandy Claus and Zero is next to him. And it's mirroring the famous grave dogger with bones, the dog scene. So it's, it's just a, a nice, again, it's a nice homage to the original. We often joke now when we go on normal Haunted Mansion and Magic Kingdom, like, man, I wish Sandy Claus was right here. I mean, that is one impressive animatronic. I'm no like animatronic nerd by any means. Like they don't usually make me very excited. But this one, it to me is jaw dropping because you're coming down backwards. You don't really know what to expect. Like, you know what you would typically see. But again, for me, it's like the first time that we saw him standing there, first time, only time, I don't remember how often we wrote it, but it was amazing. So speaking of animatronics, the other ones that you can see in this area, Sally is also leaning up on one of the headstones and And she is new. I was going to say she was a later addition. She wasn't always there. So Tokyo had Sally a lot sooner before Disneyland And I want to say it was last year, if not the year before, Sally got added in. We saw her. Did we? Yes. I know we saw her. Okay. Then it was the year before, 2018. And she's leaning up, doing like her typical pose with her head and with her chin on her uh, hands. And it's just, it ties it in nicely that it wouldn't be Nightmare Before Christmas if you don't see Sally. As well, but as you go through the graveyard scene, a couple of different things stand out. Is that a, a the music has changed again? Now they're singing this version, a rendition of a Christmas Carol, and all of the normal ghosts are singing it. But there's also these giant ice angel things. Is that what you would call them? They're singing. They're singing. The singing busts were changed out uh, with new faces to be able to match. This as well. And then there's also Jack-O-Lantern singing this song throughout the graveyard sing. Then you get into the, the finale. This was Your the favorite j- part. Jaw-dropping for me. You see Oogie Boogie, where he has transformed this crypt area into Oogie's holiday trick and treats with a giant roulette wheel. And so there's some dialogue here. We don't have the exact one. But essentially, he's doing trick or treat with you. Um, and saying, what kind of present are you going to get this year? Let me spin the wheel and find out. And so then when you get to the mirror scenes, you're finding out what your present was. It could be a snake, could be all kinds of other things that Oogie Boogie would give us a gift. But you could also get a trick, and that's where you would see Lock, Shock, and Barrel pop up for their only appearance in the attraction as well. They're on the Christmas card in the front. I take that back. But So those are the three trick-or-treaters. And so they will 
pop up on there that you can see. And they used to be where Oogie Boogie is standing. So they used to be um, the only thing that you would see in that crypt area. And then Oogie Boogie was added later. I don't know exactly when he was added, but he came along a little later. And I think, again, it's a nice bow onto the end of this attraction. But of course, the best bow, the last scene that we were kind of terrified because we thought they didn't have it or they didn't include it. But after you get out of your sleigh, um, as you're leaving, Sally is waving goodbye. Um, You can see Jack's sleigh passing above you. And she is the one who is telling you to hurry back. I, I can't say it in the voice, but hurry back. Be sure to bring your Santa Claus sack. I'll be waiting to open my Christmas present. Hurry back, hurry back. And of course, that's the reference to that little Leota um, that's there, usually in Haunted Mansion. So it's just perfect. And that's it. Bravo. You did great, Catherine. Oh, thank You're you. You're a great ghost host. Thank you. But I think just the story as a whole is, it's so fantastic. And I think an attraction that has such a deep story like Haunted Mansion does on its own, they had to go huge for this and make it as immersive as possible and tell you a really rich, rich, deep story. And I think they accomplished that. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think when you look at like what the Imagineers were trying to pull off, they were trying to give guests that experience where you do get to see those glimpses of the Haunted Mansion, but you also get to get that complete you know, Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. And they were really trying to give guests the best of both worlds, in a sense. And I definitely think it's more on the Haunted Mansion holiday side. Um, you know, they definitely went all out with that. But I do truly appreciate those little nods that they give you with the dialogue, with like the details that are left behind, with like putting Jack and Zero where um, the gravedigger and bones are. The gravedigger usually would be. And so I just, I think they did exactly what they set out to do. And I think that's why it's so popular. Yeah. I mean, there is some like marketing stuff from, or just maybe not marketing stuff, but there's some, their first intention was that you would still be able to follow the story of Haunted Mansion from writing this. I think they failed miserably at that, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. What do you think? I think that's a little harsh. I think that's harsh to say that they failed miserably because if you, and again, it might just depend on if you know the Haunted Mansion, I think you can still follow along. I guess you can get the overall gist of it, that you can get that these ghosts all inhabit this one mansion, Leota is, you know, calling them out. You get, I guess, maybe some of the bigger plot points. You get that there's a ghost host. You definitely miss the small details that we love so much. No Constance hurts, I think. No Constance. And you don't get to see the ghosts playing the tricks. Like, you don't get to see their playful side because Jack definitely takes that over. You know, he doesn't really leave them any space to be playful. But... Yeah, I I agree. I think you get the overarching story of the Haunted Mansion. It's just, you know, Christmassy. 
So this week we did something a little bit different. And normally we just ask in our Facebook group to, for everybody to give their Neverland scores and we get those that listener feedback. We did do that and we have some Facebook scores to give, but we also made Instagram stories of this attraction with our rubric and people could slide and, and give their score. So I got the average score after all of the polls closed and I put together what I'm calling like our listener Collab, uh, <laughs> what's the word for like cumulative score? Yeah. Like average score for our Instagram followers. So I'll take it one by one and then I'll tell you the final one. Rewritability got a 0.75. And this is out of a scale. So each one of these categories, the highest number it can get is a one. Yeah. So totaling 10. Yes. 10 would be the perfect score. Rewritability, 0.75. Fast pass worthy, 0.75. Standby worthy, 0.75. Immersion, a full one. Nostalgia, 0.75. Leave it or fix it, meaning do you want it to change or are you happy with how it is? 0.75. Thrill factor, 0.5. Smile, do you miss it? And is it a must do? All got ones. So it got cumulatively an 8.25. Which is very good. Which is a very good score for listeners for sure and especially this format i do know i got some messages at the end is that i was not very i wasn't clear enough that it was haunted mansion holiday so some people scored it is haunted mansion so there's mm. a there's a level of discrepancy there yeah there's there's a plus or minus margin for error including there but 8.25 i think is pretty fair we're going to get to our scores in a minute and then we also asked for people to just kind of share their stories about what this ride means to them or just interesting thoughts about it. So we'll just skim through some of these. Our friend Todd said that even though it's been around for a while, it never gets old when it comes out. So he's a Disneyland local. So that's an interesting perspective from his point. Angie said, it's my son's favorite ride. So now he only wants to go back to Disneyland at Christmas. Our friend Kelsey said it's the best ride ever, period. That's what it said <laughs> on Instagram. And then she also added in on Facebook. She gave it a perfect 10. And she labeled it as her all-time favorite attraction. And I think it's interesting because you almost would have been in this boat. And I think your sister was in this boat when we wrote it. She said she had never seen Nightmare Before Christmas before she rode Haunted Mansion Holiday. And now it's her favorite movie and her comfort movie, which comfort is a topic that we talked about earlier this week. But I do think it's, it is a – that's an interesting premise is that this – attraction can still stand up even if you don't like Nightmare Before Christmas or if you're not familiar with Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, and I think it's all in the storytelling. I mean, it's all in the details, in the dialogue, and the fact that it's just very easy to follow. You know, it would definitely intrigue someone to say, like, I have to watch this movie. Like, what is going on here? And why is the skeleton obsessed with Christmas? Like, it's funny. It's a funny concept, honestly. Um, and that's why it's kind of amusing to go through the ride and just see all of his mishaps because it's like, what the heck is he thinking? So to add on to that, Josie said, I love Haunted Mansion Holiday, but I feel like it gets overhyped. It's good, but not that good. Still a joy. I almost think like the scarcity of it hypes it up. And know? I completely agree. Yeah. If it was just a normal attraction which it's hard to even imagine it that way because it is just an overlay, it probably wouldn't get the hype that it gets. But because it's 
rare. Lots of people still haven't experienced it. It's pretty cool. I think you need Haunted Mansion to have that draw because we even had this conversation. Like if it was just a Nightmare Before Christmas dark ride, it wouldn't be as funny. Like it would not be as entertaining because you wouldn't have to put yourself in that position of like, what do these ghosts think about it? Like what is happening? Why am I here? Why is he doing this? Like it would just be a retelling of the story where in this sense, it's its own story. It's a continuation of the story. So, and that's what we love so much about things like this is it's just, it's different and it's funny and it is scarce. Disney fans love scarce. So next, Q said, love it, but wish it started after Halloween. You agree with this. Me, not so much. I think it's just more Christmas forward. So I would not be opposed if it started on November 1st, honestly. Uh, just so, because I'm thinking about, if you're riding on Halloween day, I think you want Haunted Mansion to hit home that story. But they can't flip it that fast. I know. Well, that's where it, that's where it's a logistical issue. But I think in an ideal world, you'd ride it on Halloween, a normal Haunted Mansion, and then you'd switch it over for November 1st. Because, I yeah, if you wait till after Halloween, it's mid to late November before you can get it up and operating. And then by yeah. that time, it's maybe too late. Yeah. So Castlecast Radio said it's a must do. We think it's a fun revamp to Haunted Mansion. And even if you aren't a Nightmare Before person, still fun. So yeah, completely agree. Uh, Monorail Radio said running from October to December proves that the film is both for Halloween and Christmas. And even more so since it's September to December. That's true. <laughs> this, well, it's a January, right? Till like early January is yeah. when they start to clean it back up. And again, I think those dates have changed over the years because as we all know, they started to creep Halloween into like late summer. <laughs> like August. Yeah, to make the most out of it. So, you know, there's probably a discrepancy there too. Um, Michelle said, always a must do for me and to try to get a fast pass. Amanda said, it's the best. That's all. Which agreed. Completely agree. Abby said, I keep going in the fall, and so I haven't been on regular Haunted Mansion in a few years. Which could be an issue for a lot of people, I think. And that's something that since we do love Halloween at Disneyland so much, we ha we obviously have that same issue. We've only been once, but we have that issue. We've never rode the original Haunted Mansion. I've watched it on YouTube. Does that count? I don't think so. Um, Joshua said, I voted hi, mostly because it's not something I get to do often, and I miss Disney real bad. A lot of people can agree with that. Christy said, I don't do ghosts. Which probably not the attraction for you. No. And then Erica gave it a nine and a half with only taking points off for standby worthy and thrill factor. And thrill factor is always one that does throw us for a loop just because there's different types of thrill. And we've mentioned this briefly, but sometimes it's a thrill is just like, oh my gosh, like that was unexpected um, versus yeah. like your typical like roller coaster kind of thrill. So I even struggled with how to score this one for thrill. I went ahead and just scored it high, <laughs> but I, yeah, I totally get that. Time for our scores. Time for our scores. Okay. 
I gave it a 9.5. And the only things that I took off for were the thrill factor and the fast pass worthy. And the main thing is, is because the music that's playing out in the lawn, I could listen to that. The Phantom Manor music, I could listen to that for hours and I could take in all of that cue, you know, however long it is, because you're going to be shown different cemetery and plots and everything included with that. And you're going to keep winding back and forth. So I don't mind waiting in this one. So that's the only reason I took off some fast pass worthy points. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think, um, so I also gave it a nine and a half and it's pretty rare that we do that, but I, I gave think it that might be our highest score since like Everest. Probably. Yeah. And, and again, I don't know if it's just because this is rare or we're just obsessed with Disneyland. There's a lot of things that could play into this. I think it really is just that good. Um, so besides the thrill, the only other thing that I did not give it a perfect score on is nostalgia. Just because I didn't grow up watching Haunted Mansion Holiday, I only have one. You didn't grow up watching Nightmare Before oh. Christmas, not Haunted Mansion Holiday. <laughs> Same thing, right? Whatever. Um, yeah, I just, nostalgia and thrill. Those are the two for me. So what are kind of your final thoughts on I... this attraction just to wrap it up? Because, I mean, I know we have, we obviously love it. And I think we talked about a lot of the details on why we love it throughout the, our conversation, but it's, I mean, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of wrap everything up when I just think about the storytelling, since that is always our main goal, as we look at these, you know, it's just done in a way that, I mean, it has to be done for something like the Haunted Mansion. They told a complete story. It's easy to follow. This is like storytelling for dummies, basically. Like they make it so obvious that I think, you know, people of all ages can appreciate it. But it also goes deeper, which I think is a point that I'm thinking about. Like it's accessible on surface level, but it also goes much deeper. Like when you think about the details of the dialogue as well. Sorry to cut you off, but... You just had to throw that out there. I just think it's an important point to make because I was probably just going to echo the same thing that you're saying is that it's accessible on the surface level, which I think is a big part of storytelling, but it's also, it has so much lateral depth, which I don't even know if that makes sense. Lateral depth, but it well, has so much thought provoking. Correct. And that's what we liked a lot about Haunted Mansion. I think that's why Haunted Mansion is so popular because you can dive into all those different theories and how does this tie into this? How does Hatbox Ghost play into, you know, Jack's overall plan and different things that you might not typically think of. But, you know, you can also appreciate the details of the real gingerbread house, the names on the tag, um, whatever it might be. So there's something for every buddy like for every park goer you know there are things about this ride that you can appreciate and yeah i mean they just knocked it out of the park any other thoughts before we wrap this up i'd say that's it all right so we thank you guys so much for sticking around to the very end of this episode we wanted to take a moment and ask you that if you could we have friends jason and ed who are on youtube and on instagram as the traveling husbands We've met them a couple times. They are 
so nice and so kind and so wonderful in this community. And Ed has battled brain cancer and it has come back now. They just moved to Hawaii. And when it came back, they've now realized that right after their move, they have to come back to the mainland so that Ed can get the treatment that he needs going forward. So obviously anybody in any, you know, facing that is going to face a lot of those challenges, but a financial challenge as well in order to get the care that is needed, but also that's two moves in like four months. And so it is more on their plate and more on anybody's plate than anybody can handle themselves. So they have created a GoFundMe to help with the expenses of moving back to the mainland. Uh, we shared the video where they explained everything in great detail on what they're looking for help for and, and what this process is going to look like for them. We shared it in our stories, or you can just head to their YouTube or their Instagram TV to look for it. But we're going to put the link to that GoFundMe in our show notes right there at the top. Um, and if you are able in this season to just spare a little bit to help with those expenses, I know that they would greatly appreciate it. And um, we would appreciate it as well if our podcast as a listener group could make that happen. So again, we're going to put that GoFundMe link in the show notes. And if you can't donate, just sharing their story and sharing, um, you know, the the process that they're going through is also very helpful as well. So thank you for sticking around for an hour and 13 minutes of this Ooh, episode. That's perfect. Hour 13. Yeah. Yes. Clock start. Clock strikes 13. We had so much fun discussing all the storytelling aspects of Haunted Mansion Holiday with you. If you have anything that we missed or things that stick out to you or questions that pop up, please feel free to send them our way. We want to continue this discussion with you. And as always, if you got any sort of information or entertainment out of this episode, we would really appreciate an iTunes review. It is absolutely the best way to help the show continue to grow and to help us find more listeners who would enjoy the show. So anything else, Catherine? No, just thanks for joining um, we hope you have a great holiday season and we'll be back very shortly. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit Detour.